Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artist's relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff. My guest today is Sierra Bagus. Sierra is a theater actor and singer who is best known for originating the role of Ariel in The Little Mermaid on Broadway, as well as originating the roles of Rebecca in It Should Have Been You and Rosalie in School of Rock. In the West End, she played Fontaine in Les Miserables and received an Olivier nomination for originating the role of Christine Daae in the Phantom of the Opera sequel, Love Never Dies. She also played Christine in the 25th anniversary concert of the Phantom of the Opera. In addition to her performing, Sierra is the creator of Light Lessons, an inspirational series that helps you focus your energy when you're feeling a little lost. Sierra, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit about your background as a performer and your relationship with anxiety. So I grew up in Denver, Colorado. I had no idea what Broadway was, no clue. I just knew that I really liked being in front of people and that I, um, I, I'm an extrovert and I always have been, I'm the middle of, of two sisters and they're both, um, they're both musicians. And so they like to be behind the scenes. They're more introverted, which is just hilarious. Um, <laughs> because, and also we're like the closest of close. Like, I, I don't know how I would have gotten through anything without my sisters. They're just the greatest humans. They're way better and way cooler than I am. <laughs> um, and so I grew up in Colorado. I uh, went to a really cool like inner city public high school in Denver we had no money but we always ended up putting on because we had the coolest drama teacher ever named Nancy Priest and she had she was there for like 30 years and then retired my senior year um and she always found a way to uh put on four shows a year so I was always doing something and I didn't know anything about like New York and Broadway until her, until my sophomore year of high school. And then that was my first trip to New York, um, was with my, my drama class and we saw our first shows and all this stuff. And I honestly didn't even have that feeling when I saw my first Broadway show. Like I hear a lot of people talk about, um, when I'm teaching masterclass and they can remember, and it was like, that's what changed my life. And I didn't have that, but mm-hmm. I thought like, oh, this is really cool. Um, but I didn't think like one day I'll be on Broadway. I never thought that. Hmm. Um, not until I was in college and then it was like, okay, I'm majoring in musical theater and this is, I I get it now. I get what I'm aspiring to do. But what I loved was just the community feel of getting to do shows. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was responding to, which is what I realized. And that's also what I'm getting to of what ties in, I think, with the anxiety is that was my whole experience was of of um, of being an actor was how fun it is to create new families with this cast and to create this world on stage and just that type of feeling. So when I was, I did, you know, I I made my Broadway debut in The Little Mermaid. And then I started feeling about halfway through that run, I was there for a year and a half, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And about halfway through is when I started feeling very anxious. And I remember having a panic attack 
on stage and nobody knew, but it feels like everybody knows, of course. Mm-hmm. And it suddenly was your unsafe, like the, um, the dialogue in my head was it's unsafe, it's unsafe, it's unsafe. And why that panicked me so much is because of everything that I just said, which is it was always just a joy to be on stage doing a show, no matter where it was. I never struggled with, I was always confused when people were saying that they had a lot of nerves. Um, I didn't understand that. I then was like, oh, this is what people have been talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was scary. It was really scary because I thought something was wrong with me. Right. And it's and it's later when I realized that it was like, oh, it's because I had there were so many things out of my control and there was things that um, and it was just an accruance of so many things. So it wasn't that performing is the thing that is so terrifying, but that's the vessel in which the panic showed up. Right, right. What were some of the things? So what happened immediately after you had that panic attack? Like what steps did you take? What what happened? What did you do to -hmm. deal with that? I mean, I have a therapist and I've, oh, I'm such an advocate for therapy. I really am. Um, And it took me a long time to feel like that because I didn't ever feel like that was something that was part of my journey. And I really, I, I got put in therapy when I was like 13 for when I was a kid and I hated it. It was horrific. <laughs> it was like, it was actually more traumatic than anything that I probably should have been talking about in therapy. Okay. So it wasn't until later in my life when I was like, Oh, yes. So I had a, a really amazing therapist and he um, he still is. He's still my therapist. And he would do a lot of clearing and um, he does like a lot of, uh, I don't really know how to explain what he does, but it's clearing is the best way I can say it, like mental clearing. Okay. But to be honest, what I did right after that feeling was I went very much inside myself, mm-hmm. meaning... I got very quiet and I got very, um, I got very, uh, I took it on as something that I am. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't do anything. I didn't know that I should do anything. I didn't know to say to anybody and I didn't have, nobody was talking about this kind of stuff. Yep. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. so, and to be honest, it wasn't until I was doing Um, after Mermaid, I went to London and I remember trying, I just basically tried to do a lot of self-talk to get myself okay. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't until I came back and did my second show on Broadway with the amazing Tyne Daly. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to her a little bit about like, um, feeling nervous about being on stage and stuff. And she said that she, um, had talked to somebody a while, like years ago And something that they had said stuck with her, which is, it's okay to be nervous. It's great to be nervous, but don't be nervous about being nervous. Right. Which is very difficult. (laughs) Yes. But I was like, holy, like that changed my whole thing where I was like, oh, I get it. I am actually, what's, what I'm contributing to is, 
it's okay to be nervous. It's okay to be terrified, but don't be terrified about being terrified because what that does is it tells you, you're almost telling yourself that something is wrong with you, that you should be terrified of your fear. And it's like, no, the best thing to do is be like, oh, what up fear? Like, yeah, what up nerves? Like here you are and let's let's figure this out. Let's, let's show up together because you're gonna be here. Mm-hmm. And that's what takes the specialty off of ourselves of thinking I'm the only one going through this because that's what the self-talk is. Right. I mean, why is everybody else get it but me? Why is nobody else nervous? Why is everyone so calm? And nobody is. Right. Nobody is. If you are, you're kind of a sociopath. (laughs) (laughs) Like you don't have feeling. Right. It's part of what makes you human. Absolutely. And once I got that, I was like, great. It, it really is that quick of a um, a mental shift. Mm-hmm. And so now when I teach, I, t- I talk about this a lot because I want to offer for everybody who uh, thinks there's something wrong with them that there isn't. Mm-hmm. And I want to take the specialty off because then we start identifying and wearing this badge of I have anxiety. Right. It's this badge you wear. And I see that a lot and I hear it a lot. And it's like, Take that off. Take that off because we all or every or put it on everyone because we all have it. And I'm and I mean that in the best way. That's like, here's all your here's your support system. Your support system is everyone. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. What are some of the stories you were telling yourself or what were some of the events that made you feel like you weren't enough? Well, the mental chatter in my head was this is too much it's too much it's too much I remember that just being the loop that's Mm -hmm. like it's too much and I'm not sure what the it was okay and what was too Um, much was it just the the pressure of being starring in a Broadway show at such a young age like no because that doesn't hit you till later it's like you're (laughs) in it and it's like oh Jesus like I look back now and I'm like holy crap like you that's a lot um it was it was all of it there's so much that comes with starring in a Broadway show and especially something where you are the title of it, there is a pressure that I didn't know because, and I almost, and I I think it's good that I didn't know because Mm -hmm. then you survive it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But you have to say yes, especially when you're the title of the show, you have to say yes to all the press basically because you have to also sell the show. This is stuff that I didn't know until I'm in it mm-hmm. because we're not trained. Like I, I have a degree in musical theater. We aren't trained to know the other part of it, the business side that's like here, because you don't need to be, you're going to go through it. And honestly, I think if we were trained, it's like, here's what's going to happen if you if these X, Y, and Z happens to you. Most people aren't going to do it. Hmm. Because it's like, that's, well, that's too much for any one person. Right. And any of my colleagues that would be listening to this right now absolutely understand what I'm saying. (laughs) Because that's, that is what we go through. So it was a number of things. I had been um, flown across the country to LA to do something, um, uh, uh, some type of press thing, and then flown back uh, within... 24 hours that contributed. Uh, there's just so many things that contributed because mm-hmm. there it is. It's just, there's just a lot going on. 
Um, and you're just sort of in this whirlwind and you don't have a second for self-care. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, those are the things that are, okay. are that are talking to you and that are contributing, I think. Okay. Um, with everything currently happening in our world and in our industry, mm-hmm. artists are being sent the message that what we do doesn't matter or isn't relevant. Mm. And we're in a place where we feel like we have to prove ourselves and our worth. What are your thoughts on that? So many thoughts. The first thing I want to start with, I would actually want to start with something positive, okay. which is during this time, I've been teaching a lot of masterclass. And for the record, I love teaching masterclass. I, this is not like, oh God, I got to <laughs> figure out some way to make money. This right. is like, great. I've got to make money and I love doing this. Right. And why I love doing it is because of all of this and this type of conversation that we're having, because so many people go through this and artists But what I want to say in terms of why I'm saying that about teaching during this pandemic and that people saying artists aren't relevant, I beg to differ on so many levels because these students, these kids, these people, and I'm saying kids and some people are in their 20s, you know, Mm -hmm. that have just graduated. Mm -hmm. They are still showing up and signing up and taking a class on how to act a song. They are still acting as if they get to do this, even though there isn't a school show, there isn't a tour, there isn't a Broadway, there isn't anything to perform in. That is so worth noting. Mm Mm-hmm. That is so worthy. That is so much that speaks to what the artist spirit is, that you can tell us, government, that we don't matter, but and we can we can be literally not making any money and we are still going to figure out a way to do what we do, which tells me we are essential. Yep. These kids, these students, these people that are like, I, I, I can't think of anybody more devastated unless you're dealing with the actual virus. You know, those are the people that are truly the most devastated. But these students that are in their senior years or junior years, like that have all this and have had all this to look forward to. And now it's taken. And especially as theater kids, it just my heart just goes out to them so much. But they are showing up. So we are essential. Um, and so I can sit here and preach to the people that don't understand that aren't uh, an artist or in our industry or something. But for the artists that are listening, there is no amount of someone telling you that you can't do this that's going to make you not do this, you know? Right, right. So so it's. Uh, I would just say keep going. Don't worry about it. We're going to figure it out. We are extremely adaptable. And that is also, I will say, that is part of, that is like almost 90% of our job. We have to adapt. Even in an audition, we have to adapt. So this is only going to make us stronger for the new generation of artists that is going to come out of this, because they are. They're going to be the coolest generation ever. They're going to be fearless, I think. Mm -hmm. It's like... I really do. I think that we're we're due for a wave of just like complete bravery and awesomeness. So and then for those that are are still wondering if we're essential um, and people saying that we're not worthy or don't matter. uh, Who are you to say that? First of all, is always my answer. It's like, (laughs) who are you to say who's worthy and who's not? Um, But also 
you know, now this is getting cliche, but it's it's the truth. You try getting through this pandemic without any of the artistry that you've all gone to. And that includes your TV shows, the actors that are on those shows, um, movies. Also, any of the uh, all of a sudden people are like, maybe I should start drawing again, maybe painting, maybe all. It's like it's amazing how the creativity uh, grows out of such dire times. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, to survive, we might have had to do some type of job that seemingly isn't creative. But at the heart of all of our souls, our creativity is just dying to come out. So, yeah, (laughs) it's all worthy. It's all worthy. Agreed. Agreed. Based on your own experiences, what advice do you have to artists struggling with anxiety right now? Again, I want to take the specialty off mm-hmm. that just hear this, that you're not alone. It can be, it's very easily easy to be isolated or feel isolated during this time. You aren't alone. You might, uh, on paper, on paper, I live alone, but I don't feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I choose to reach out. I encourage people to reach out. I also encourage people to, if you are struggling to reach out to others to ask how they're doing, just check, checking in sometimes with others and getting out of the loop in your head, which is something is wrong with me and I'm so freaked out and anxious. Just check in. There is, um, we're not on this planet alone. And that that's a Brene Brown situation. I love me some <laughs> Brene Brown. So I will shout out straight out to a, a Brene Brown, which is that we're hardwired for human connection. I love when she says that. And that is the truest thing. So I don't care if you're an introvert or an extrovert. That isn't the point. The point is that we are on this planet with other humans and we are having these human experiences so we can reach out and you, you are allowed to reach out at any time. I don't know. There is no time that I um, am like, oh, yeah, I'm a little busy. Like to if someone's like, I, I'm freaking out right now, which I'll get. I'll get a text from a friend that's like, I'm freaking out. I need to talk to you. Mm-hmm. The answer is drop everything. And what do you need? I'm here. And right. that's just the answer. So I just say that because I want to encourage people to be sure that you're reaching out. And it doesn't mean that you need to have a whole 20,000 friends. It's (laughs) like I'm talking about on one hand, there are the people that you reach out to that understand. So take the specialty off, reach out. You're not in this alone. Those types of things. Great. Tell us about light lessons. Yes, I will tell you about Light Lessons. (laughs) So I created Light Lessons, oh, maybe two or three years ago. And it's essentially the the physicalness of it is that it's a bag of 20 words or phrases that really work for me um, to help center myself. And it came out of, I used to like to pull a word before I went on stage because I'm doing eight shows a week sometimes, you know, of the same show. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I want to focus my character and myself. So I would pull out something like, say, oh, uh, be brave. That's it. All right. That's my task for the day. Because sometimes we overcomplicate things. Mm -hmm. 
So then I start, I decided, let me do this. Let me create my own Sierra ones and be brave is one of them. Um, and so they are for not only for artists, but anybody going into any type of thing. It's like you can use it, obviously, for artists for an audition or for a show or something. But for a business meeting, for just I woke up and I want to use this as part of my meditation. What do I want to focus on today? I was with a friend last night. She brought her light lessons and she's like, let's pull a word of what do I need to know? Because we talked about a situation she was in. It's like, all right, what do we need to know? And so it becomes fun also for people that's like to just um, we overcomplicate it sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that's light lessons, the physical light lessons. But once the pandemic happened, it did not feel right for me to sell <laughs> merchandise. <laughs> I was like, nope, not doing it. There is people don't have money and tis not the season for it. Mm-hmm. So I decided to take them online. And also what the hard thing about anybody who's created something and you're selling a product, especially in America, it's like the international shipping is a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) Like, oh my God, like it's a whole thing and there's tax and all this. So what I hate is that I can't international ship these things. Mm -hmm. I don't like that because I have so many people because of Phantom and and, um, Little Mermaid, I have this global fan base that I, that um, I want to also feel, I want them to be included and this doesn't feel inclusive because I can't get the product to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, let me bring Light Lessons online. And it's free. And it's on my YouTube channel. And it's and so there's 20 episodes, one dedicated to each Light Lesson. Okay. And it's just some of the episodes are me speaking about one. Um, so there's one, Fully Present. I think for Fully Present, oh, Fully Present. But there's one called With Wisdom. And I go and I sit outside in Central Park and I talk about what with wisdom means. And I sit outside because that's another thing that helps with anxiety. Get into nature. Mm -hmm. You sit on that ground. Let the mother hold you. That's Ayanla Van Zandt. She says that. (laughs) Let the mother of all mothers hold you, which is the earth. You know, that, oh, that cleanses. Um, And then there's other episodes where I bring on amazing humans in my life, um, that have something to say about the light lesson. So I did an episode with my friend Joe Milson that people know from London. He's an incredible actor. And he's the one who gave me the light lesson, be brave. He's the one who said that to me. So it became a light lesson. Or my friend Titus Burgess. Um, all of these different things, these people I bring on and we have these discussions for about half an hour and it's free content so that people from all over the world can think like, oh, I want to learn about responsibility today. And they click on Light Lessons, Responsibility, and it's me and the amazing Daniel Watts, and we're sitting there talking about responsibility. Um, so yeah, it's just a way that people can make their inside voice less complicated. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Coming up, Sierra talks about her friendship with Wayne Dyer, and we discuss the difference between the law of attraction and the power of intention. (laughs) 
So you're into Mm self-awareness. And um, before Wayne Dyer passed, I know you had sort of developed a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that and sort of your journey into discovering Mm self-awareness. And then I also want to talk about the law of attraction versus the power of intention. Mm, Yes. (laughs) Yes. So yes, um, when I was doing Little Mermaid, one of my friends gave me Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. I never had uh, looked at life like that. I had never read any self-help, any of that kind of stuff. I didn't know any names of, I didn't, I never read Deepak Chopra. I hadn't read Power of Now, you know, like all of these types of things. Um, The closest I had come was reading Tuesdays with Maury, (laughs) you know, Um, and So I read this Power of Intention over about a year it took me because it was just like you kind of stop at every page and it's like, whoa, these these um, the the laws of attraction, um, which we'll get to, but it's different. It's like your intention Um, and. Oh, I just fell in love with it and I started listening to him uh, there for a while. There was an app. And I would fall asleep listening to his voice where he is basically giving affirmations. And I just loved this. And I loved the idea of co-creating our lives. Mm-hmm. And I'd never heard things phrased like this. Um, he also uh, talked about that's like if you're gripping something too hard, he talked about water, that in order to get water, if you are, if you're like, if you take your fist to get the water, it's gone. You can't have any water. Mm-hmm. Instead, you open your hand and the water flows in and then you have water. Just little things like that of just how he articulated. I was obsessed with it. And I was like, yes. And meanwhile, reminding us, this was during Mermaid when I was feeling like, who, you know, I'm having existential crisis basically. Right. And so it came at the right time. It's like Oprah says, the right book falls off the shelf when you need it. And this did. So thus started my uh, love of Wayne Dyer and his teachings. And then um, I was asked to do my very first solo cabaret show. And I was terrified because I have not trained for being myself on stage. I have trained to be a character. (laughs) And I was like, what am I going to this? It was, oh, I went through such turmoil about it. Really? Um, yes. I think that's such, something that would surprise a lot of people. It would, and it does. And that the, and it would also surprise people to know, but hear this, there isn't a single performer that you all love that I've talked to that is <laughs> that was like, yeah, I couldn't wait to do my first cabaret. Everyone that I know that is respected and loved in our my industry, they are they all had that. That's like, oh, what would people want to why would they want to hear me? Isn't that fascinating? Huh. I think that comes from because we are trained. It's like the character is what people love, how we portray a character. They don't love us, you know, and what do we have to say? Right. Well, and I think also the message that gets told to us is you're so new, unique. You're so special, but you're replaceable. Sure. sure. Everyone's <laughs> replaceable. You <Sure>. know? <laughs> oh, yeah. We are constantly in that. That's also a Brene Brown thing, too. I feel like that she talks about like when we grow up that it's like, She's like, how many of you heard the messaging that's like, you are the best thing that's ever been, and and who do you think you are? Right. 
<laughs> so we are in this constant like back and forth of nobody is better than you. Mm-hmm. And who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. that Marianne Williamson quote too. That's like, uh, who are you? Uh, who am I to be gorgeous, talented and amazing? What I'm paraphrasing. And it's, and then the answer is who are you not to be? Right. I love that. Right. Um, yeah. So then I started reading uh, Wayne Dyer's book called Inspiration. And I loved how it was laid out where he just, it's like each chapter was a different thing to be inspired by or ways to, of that inspiration um, is essential in our lives. And um, I was like, it, that was a light bulb moment for me of like, now I know what I'm going to do my show about. It's inspiration. This is, and I called my show Awakening. Okay. Because I felt like I'm waking up to who I want to be, um, who I am and what I'm about and what I want to offer the world. And it became less about Sierra and her resume, though that's in there. Um, And it becomes about what do you need? And I love this. Get off yourself and get on the other. I always say that when I'm teaching too. get off Hmm. yourself, get on the other, which means stop thinking about what does this mean to me? Get on the other. And that simply means listen. And what I love, and I'm addicted to live performing now with of cabaret style or symphony style or whatever, where I'm being myself, I'm addicted to the feedback that I get because I'm listening to the audience while I'm singing. I'm not listening to the sound of my own voice. I am listening to you listen so that I mm-hmm. know if I'm getting to you and so that I can adjust in the moment if I'm not. It's the best. It's this, oh, it's this awesome exchange of energy. Anyway, so that's what I did. And, and I ended up dedicating my album to many different people, but I, and my show, but one of the main was to Wayne Dyer. Um, and so then when I was doing Phantom on Broadway with Norm Lewis, he, uh, he's, you know, we're, he's one of my best friends. He knows me very, very well. And he knows my love of Wayne Dyer. (laughs) And he, on my last show, I was leaving and he, uh, had me, I was just in his dressing room and all of a sudden his phone rang and he's like, hold on a second and gives me the phone. And I put it on and he put it on speaker. And this man says, starts talking to me and says, um, hi. And I hear that it's your last show. And I've just, Um, come to tell you that you have a gift and you are using your talent so beautifully. And I was like, as he's talking and I'm just like, and Norm's staring at me and I'm like, (laughs) wait, I know this voice. And I say this and we filmed the whole thing, by the way. It's like, I had this whole interaction on film. His dresser was filming it. And I was like, who is this? And, and I was like, who is this? And he goes, I am God. And I was like, Yes. And (laughs) and it was because his point is like, we're all God, you know, we all Mm -hmm. have God inside of us. Um, And I was like, he goes, who did you dedicate your album to? And to be honest, my first reaction was my granddad and my grandmother and they're dead. (laughs) So I was like, oh, God. And then then I was like, oh, my God. And he goes, yes, I am. And I was like, oh, my God. And he was like, it's Wayne. And I was like, I know. And I said, and this is like so creepy. I was like, I used to listen to your voice to fall asleep. But um, it was like the most amazing um, exchange. And 
that's how we met. And he said, I'm inviting you and Norm as my guests. He was about to do um, one of his I Can Do It concert or conferences uh, here in New York. And I knew about it because I had went to get tickets online. And of course, they're sold out. And he was like, yeah, you're my guest. And I was like, I know this is happening in a week or whatever. I was so excited. <laughs> and that's when I met him and came backstage. And the thing is, he had seen my work. So it was like this really cool exchange also of just like, when I met him, I was like, Wayne, and he's like, Sierra. And we had our arms just outstretched and we just hugged. And um, it was like meeting a you're like a soul that you it's like a twin soul and it was like oh I've been waiting to meet you we've been waiting to find each other in this life or something it was very powerful hmm. um, and then I got to have spend about four hours with him the next day and have lunch and chat and um, it was it was really awesome and then um, he gave me a few of his books and uh, we would have phone calls over the next few months and just uh, it was very inspirational and wonderful. And then unfortunately, um, is uh, is he passed not that long after meeting him, like wow. I think only about like six months. Huh. And it was strange the day that he passed because I was out to dinner with someone and I was fine. And I'm generally a very uh, joyous person. <laughs> and I suddenly, like, all of a sudden, my mood changed. All of a sudden, I wasn't okay. Hmm. And I just felt so sad. And I didn't know why. And I I went back to my house that night and I um, just opened up my Twitter feed. And I saw Wayne had just passed. And I was like, oh, my God. And I, that has happened to me once before, and that was when my granddad died, and that was a whole other thing that was even more powerful than that. But this was, oh, I felt him. I felt him leave the earth. Hmm. Um, and it's also the feeling of, I got to step up now. Hmm. You and I had, had a conversation the other day about the law of attraction. Yes. And, and the difference between the law of attraction and the power of intention. And I'd love yes. for you to just share some of your thoughts on that. Yes, this is, I'm I'm pretty sure, and I always like to credit who I hear things from, but I'm pretty sure this was a Wayne thing where he explained the difference between law of attraction and power of intention. And the law of attraction tells us, and for those that don't know, the law of attraction is the secret, is I'm going to secret this and I'm going to, um, because I am wanting this and I'm going to think about this and I'm going to, reflect on this and it it will come to me and I will attract it because this is the energy that I'm putting towards it, et cetera. The power of intention um, says, so the law of attraction says, I am not this and I want this. Power of intention is I am this and I'm asking for it to come because hmm. so I am intending I already am this you can't intend what you aren't mm -hmm. so it's just to me and this is in my Sierra words it's like it's a remembering I I do believe that we 
we all came onto this planet as these divine beings. I do, and that is a Wayne thing. We're spiritual beings having a human experience as opposed to human beings having a spiritual experience. Um, and so we're having these human experiences and we've forgotten, we've forgotten that we are whole. We are forgotten that we are enough. I, that's what I always talk about with when I talk about you are enough, that's like you would never tell a brand new kitten or a brand <laughs> new baby or a plant that's just poking out of the dirt that's like, oh, that's not enough. Right. We are, in, in fact, we're the opposite. We're fascinated and we are so much. This is, you are so enough. But so why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we tell us ourselves that we aren't or that I got to attract this because I I don't have it? But you are it. We live in an, an, we are inherently abundant with being enough or um, having that thing that we want. And I think also power of intention is more than I want that bike, you mm-hmm. know, and so I'm going to attract that bike to me. Right. <laughs> secret the bike to me. Right. It's like, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's the higher it's not materialistic. 100%. Yeah. Yes. Um, so maybe to paraphrase, law of attraction sort of comes from a place of you are not enough, whereas the power of intention says you are enough and, and how yes. can you attract more, or not attract, but how can you use well, what like you being, are to, to be a better force for good in the world? A hun- yes, absolutely. Yes. And not that power, of, not that the law of attraction isn't trying to say that. I just think that it's getting a little lost in the, um, it's more commercial. Mm-hmm. It's an easier sell. It's funny that it's an easier sell because power of intention is like, no, you already are it. But it's an easier to sell to people that are struggling and that are like, I don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an easier sell than to than to get you to really know that you already are. You already are abundant. You already are worthy. You do have. You is. the intention is, and there's, God, I could, I wish I could remember there's, Wayne Dyer calls it the seven faces of intention. Hmm. Um, And because I don't want to paraphrase and I can't remember all of them right now, (laughs) I want to encourage people to look that up for themselves. So look up the seven faces of intention and just see how it resonates with you. And I would be remiss. You have, you have a phrase. (laughs) a mantra, shall we say, that you are known for. Mm. And I would love for you to just briefly share the story of where that came from and then, of course, share it with with all of us. Yes. So the phrase is, you are enough. You are so enough. It's unbelievable how enough you are. The idea of that is that how you came onto this planet, who you are is enough. Inherently, it's enough. And so anything else that you get to add to that as you go through your journey on this planet is just extra awesomeness. But start from the place of knowing that you're enough and see what happens. I think we fast forward past that I'm not enough. And we just we fast forward all the nutrients that's in the knowing we're enough. And that I think that creates a lot of anxiety. Um, the phrase came from I was taking a master class when I was 17 years old, and uh, I was watching a performer work with who now has become one of my dear friends, Mary Satrakian, and she's a teacher here in New York. And she was working with somebody who I feel like, and it's so hard to remember exact details because it was when I was 17, but 
I remember that it was like the person was using their hands a lot and it's just like it was just a performer that wasn't trusting um, mm-hmm. and it was coming off as false because they were doing too many things. And she actually said, the phrase she said was, "Stop! don't do that. You're enough. You're enough. You're so enough. Um, it's incredible how enough you are. Now at 17, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard because I'd never heard words put like that. And so I'm right. like, that's so funny. And I write it down, which I always write things down and I have in my notebook. And the original phrase that she said was incredible how enough you are, whereas mine morphed into unbelievable, saying the same thing, but just to note. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for a while, I, I would just be like, oh, that's so funny. That's something Mary said. And it wasn't until I was doing Little Mermaid And this was my first time that I started receiving fan mail. And I was getting mail from people that were talking to me as if I was a therapist. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was people are, uh, people respond to Ariel partly because she represents the person who knows that she was born in the wrong place, the wrong body, the wrong time. And it's actually that deep and powerful. So I was getting people writing to me that were going through um, uh, terrible, terrible things. People that were afraid to, they were coming out to me. Mm-hmm. They were telling me about cutting. They were telling me about eating disorders. They were telling me about suicide attempts. They were telling me about all kinds of stuff like that. And I realized I have a responsibility for the first time as a performer that is that has a platform. And mm-hmm. this is well before social media, by the way. Mermaid was 2007. So like Facebook sort of was becoming a thing. Um, and Twitter was just starting mm-hmm. and Instagram didn't exist. So it really was this fan mail stuff. And what I realized is I have a responsibility, but I need to be very responsible in that I am not a licensed therapist. It would be uh, very dangerous for me to write back advice. Mm -hmm. And I need, but I also, because I love Oprah and I listen to her all the time and Super Soul Sunday and all that stuff. Um, (laughs) And I remember her saying that people just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. And so I realized I need to acknowledge that they have been heard and suddenly I remember this quote and I mm-hmm. realized that that actually what I want to say to you is, dear so-and-so, you are enough, Sierra, and sign my name. And that was it. That was it. And that has that continues to be it. Um, I, it's my way of letting you know that you're heard and just putting that little spark inside of you to help you remember that you are enough. You are so enough. It's unbelievable how enough you are. Amazing. Thank you so much for being here today, Sierra, and for sharing your story. My pleasure. Thank you so much for this platform to do this. What an absolute gift to be able to talk about some real stuff and helpful things. Um, I'm very grateful to be here and to you. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening. And thanks to my guest, Sierra Bogus. For more information on Sierra's work, head on over to our website, anxietyandtheartist.com. If you like what you heard, tell a friend. Until next time, be healthy and stay creative. Anxiety and the Artist is produced by Grost Productions and recorded at Homestead Studios. Music and engineering is by Vasco Chef. 
This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.